What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. Yes, we are back in the swing of things. And for those of you who've already reached out to say, hey, we missed you, I really appreciate it. That means the world. We love bringing you great content, and we are now in the month of June which means there are all kinds of things that are on the way. And so we're going to be bringing you some great, great content this month. So stay connected to what's happening here at The Faction. Shout out to all of you who follow us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. For all of you who are subscribed to our podcast and all of the places, thank you so much. It really means the world. And if you're brand new to what we're doing, welcome to The Faction family. It's great to have you with us. I hope you enjoy our brand of conversation and information around the world of pro wrestling. If you do, let others know as well. Share what we're doing, rate us, and leave a comment for us in the spaces that you're listening to us. So if you caught yesterday's show, we gave you a recap on Double or Nothing from AEW, a big, big pay-per-view. We talked about the highs and lows, hits and misses, all of that jazz. And one of the things that I promised you yesterday is that today we would take some time to talk about the updates in terms of the contract situations involving MJF and AEW and Sasha Banks and Naomi on the WWE side. So we're going to do that and we'll kind of infuse some opinions, thoughts, ideas, etc., etc., and see where you fall in on all of that. All right, so let's first start in the world of WWE. Let's start with what's going on with Sasha Banks and Naomi. So, little backstory, we have to go back to now some two weeks ago, almost two and a half weeks ago, when Sasha and Naomi, then the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, were scheduled to be a part of a six-pack challenge to name the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. It's reported that they walked out some said during raw it's later been reported that they walked out before raw after having expressed disagreements and concerns about the creative direction for where they were going they did not find any sort of real reason for them being in that particular match they expressed their concerns all the way up to vince mcmahon and then after not having their concerns heard They proceeded to pack their bags, leave their championship belt on the desk of John Laurinaitis, and head out the door. Since that point, we've really not heard anything from them on the socials except for a rare sighting for Sasha Banks, who was out in public enjoying herself. So, since that point... Here's what's happened. WWE has come out with, of course, a statement condemning Naomi and Sasha walking off of Monday Night Raw. We would later find out that not only have they been stripped of the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, but they have been indefinitely suspended. Since then, their merchandise has been removed from WWE shop. WWE has also canceled any future travel plans for them. And what we're hearing is that communication between the WWE and Sasha and Naomi has ranged from minuscule to non-existent. 
So the fact that all of these things are happening are certainly an indicator that we are nowhere closer to a resolution for Sasha and Naomi potentially returning to WWE. Now, we have a couple of other questions that we need to ask and consider. I know when we initially started talking about this, the question came up, is this a work or is this a shoot? And part of the reason we started asking that question is because it's a rare moment when WWE is so public about what's been going on with these ladies and this situation. It was mentioned on television multiple times by both Corey Graves and Michael Cole. There was a public statement made on WWE's website and to media outlets as well. There was even mention recently of a tournament to name new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. So here's a little bit of what we know. What we know as of right now is that there's talk that Sasha and Naomi have been suspended without pay. Now, that's not confirmed, but if in fact they have been suspended without pay, then it's unlikely that their contracts that they're operating on would be frozen. Now, here's why that's important. If they're being suspended without pay and their contracts aren't being frozen, it is believed that both of them would become free agents this summer. That's just a couple of months from now, max. Which then now means that they made the decision a couple of weeks ago to walk off, basically saying, we're going to be out of our contracts anyway. If this thing doesn't turn around, we're out. Makes sense. Seems like a reasonable solution, one would think. But that's where things are. So the other piece of it that's interesting is that Naomi has taken all references to WWE out of her biographies on the socials. Before she would mention she's a WWE superstar, former women's champion, et cetera, et cetera. All of that is gone. What is equally interesting is it sounds as though the plans for the WWE Women's Tag Team Title Tournament have been scrapped. There's been no mention of those plans. It was not mentioned this Monday night on Raw. So I think this is interesting for a few reasons. Number one, if indeed it is true that the reason for Sasha and Naomi leaving had everything to do with how the women's tag team championships were viewed, and then now it appears as though there is no women's tag team tournament, then perhaps there won't be women's tag team champions, which further proves the point of WWE's lack of commitment to the women's tag team championship. Now, there's another rumor that was floating out there about Sasha, that Sasha was also a bit upset about the fact that she was initially supposed to be penciled in for the women's title match at WrestleMania against Charlotte Flair and how that got bumped because of the presence of Ronda Rousey. And it's believed that the tag team championship was kind of given to Sasha and Naomi kind of as a bit of a carrot to say, hey, we didn't hook you up right on WrestleMania, but we're going to take care of you with the tag team championships. As you can see, none of that really happened. So if indeed the tag team championship was designed to be an alternative for Sasha and Naomi, as opposed to what might have been originally planned for Sasha for WrestleMania, we could probably understand again why this has happened. I will tell you this, in my own opinion, and this is just me, 
I completely understand where Sasha and Naomi are. Now, I know there are those that say you should not ever walk out on a live television taping. I get that. I understand that. But what I also understand is at some point you have to take a stand for you. And this is wrestling related and not wrestling related. There has to be a point where you begin to value who you are. Sometimes we don't value who we are because we don't really understand who we are. We've not been in enough scenarios that allow us to understand our worth and value. And so because of that, we will find ourselves accepting things that are beneath us. Can you imagine being a person who was never told that you were great, was never given opportunity to express that greatness, and you have incredible skills and talents, but you need a job. And because you need a job, you just take the lowest paying job possible because some money is better than no money. And you find yourself working at a job where the skill set doesn't match your current skill set. It's just something you can do. It's not in line with your ultimate dream for your life. You end up trapped in a career that you don't like. When you do begin to realize your worth and value, suddenly your job searches change, your friendships change, your entire opportunities and world changes because you begin to realize I'm worth more than this. And you start making steps in that regard. Many have said that Naomi is a highly valuable player that WWE has not used well. Many of us were excited about this potential tag team with Sasha because they really are two significant stars, two mega stars, you could argue, who really had the opportunity to set things on fire. The only problem is you actually need somebody to compete against. And it is really crazy to think that two months after you win the tag titles, you would then be put into a number one contenders match for a singles championship. Let's look on the men's side. Did they put the Usos in a championship contender match to fight Roman Reigns while tag team champions? Did they put RK Bro in that situation? They did not. As a matter of fact, when RK Bro ended up in a situation to potentially compete for the singles title, they weren't champions. So I think we have to really look at this idea of how tag team championships are being valued and viewed. For Sasha and Naomi, they wanted more. And I cannot argue with them for wanting more. They should want more. They've given a lot to the company. And so if these talks don't really pan out and you end up in a potential situation where Sasha and Naomi are free agents by the summer, you've got to imagine that all out 2022 could see an appearance from Sasha Banks and Naomi. Let's remember all out 2021 where we had three major debuts from former WWE superstars, Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, Bebe, and Brian Danielson, all premiering at All Out. Two of the three were big surprises. I will tell you this, if things continue down this trajectory, just go ahead and start ordering All Out 2022 right now, because the idea that Sasha and or Naomi could find their way to AEW at this stage would be incredible. So there's that. When we come back, we're going to talk about the other side of the coin. And that is speaking of AEW, what's going on with MJF 
and AEW? Are there some similarities between MJF, Sasha Banks, and Naomi? All that's coming up when we return. Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. I'm in Dallas Vegas here at Southern Honor Wrestling. Chris what? Jericho is here and can't watch out. It's going on. Oh, my God. Get the Omega. Oh, man. Over you. Oh. Because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping it. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it wouldn't read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win and there's a you, there will always be the S-H-W. So, the first half of this conversation, we talked about Naomi and Sasha and their connection with WWE and that current situation, which right now, I don't want to say it's dead in the water, but it seems as though they are not talking and we don't know if and when they will talk. On the other hand, we have what happened this weekend in AEW, MJF 
and AEW. There was rumors that MJF might have no-showed Double or Nothing. He did eventually show. He showed up during the buy-in. His match went on first. After his match, he immediately left the building. It is rumored that right now he is in LA and there are supposed to be talks happening today in LA between MJF and Tony Khan. So how did we get here? The news of this I think is just as interesting as what's going on with Naomi and WWE. So here's how it goes. If you're unfamiliar, right now, MJF is in the middle of a contract with AEW that runs through 2024. So what happened is this. He received a pay raise in January of this year, which was a year into his current three-year deal. What he's getting paid is apparently still a lot less than former WWE talents currently in AEW, including CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, Mark Henry, Malachi Black, and Adam Cole. This is according to Wade Keller of PW Torch. All of those wrestlers signed some pretty significant deals with AEW in 2021. There are other stars in AEW like John Moxley, Chris Jericho, and Kenny Omega who are still making more than MJF. So back in 2019, MJF, when he signed with AEW, signed with what was considered a starter deal. And that deal ranged from, get this, forty to $70,000 a year. Let me just kind of put that in context for you. Besides the fact that that is probably what some might be making in middle America on a yearly basis, in NXT, you roughly start off about $50,000 a year. So basically, when MJF came into AEW, he had like an NXT type of contract. It is now believed that he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, which is still considered to be modest compared to the salaries of other top AEW talents. So it's believed that this pay structure issue is the cause of this major rift between Tony Khan and MJF. MJF was thinking that, you know, once we got to January of 2022, that he'd be approached by Tony Khan to renegotiate this particular contract, given the level of work that MJF has done. MJF segments are among the highest rated segments on all of AEW. It's really hard to argue that there is another heel that is better than him in AEW really throughout this entire three-year period. He's been considered to be one of the pillars of AEW. However, none of that seems to have mattered at this point to the contract relationship that's going on between AEW and MJF. So, as this began to continue, MJF got more upset, and in getting more upset, he decided to no-show this weekend a couple of the fan events. He apparently had a flight booked to the East Coast in case he was not going to do double or nothing, but he decided to do double or nothing, and it is now questionable whether or not he will appear on Dynamite this week. So the question comes, should Tony Khan renegotiate the contract of MJF to be more reflective of what his real position in the company is. <sighs> These are kind of challenging spaces, but I do believe this. I do believe that you have to have a degree of loyalty 
to the people who were with you when you started. Granted, MJF came in at forty to $70,000 as a starter deal, which is kind of crazy, but maybe they thought he was unproven at that point. Once he started proving himself, he did get a pay raise. Is that pay raise significant enough? So I guess you have to ask yourself the question, who's really the number one heel in AEW? It's not Jericho. Mm, who else would it possibly be? It has to be MJF at this point. Look at the fans' reactions. So I don't know the details of his contract in terms of if there is something contractually that says, hey, at this particular point or if you achieve these metrics, then we will review what your contract looks like. I'm not aware of that. What I am aware of is this, that you have to do what you have to do to keep your people happy. Let's remember, AEW just lost Cody Rhodes because of a rift between Cody and Tony Khan. Some won't say it, but the writing's clearly on the wall. Is Tony Khan willing to lose MJF? I hope not. Because when we start thinking about homegrown stars in AEW, MJF fits that bill. He's the guy who had worked hard on the independents, did a lot of work in MLW, but this by far is the biggest stage he's been on, and he's proven that he can own it. If you're willing to lose him to the WWE, there's going to be a major problem because you've already lost one of your biggest baby faces in Cody Rhodes, who is, of course, a former EVP. Are you willing to lose MJF? I think that this is one of those moments where even if the contract does not make room for it, that you find room to keep your people happy. Tony Khan's got a real challenge on his hands. Now, sure, will AEW continue if MJF leaves? Of course it will. It continued after Cody Rhodes left, and it will continue. But what will be the caliber of it? Who's the guy who's going to be your monster heel right now? I don't know. Do you turn CM Punk heel? Maybe. Maybe not. Kenny Omega is out right now. If Omega comes back, does he return to being the number one heel? Or was he ever the number one heel? I don't know. It's a lot of questions. What do you think about these contract negotiations between MJF and AEW? Do you believe that MJF and Sasha and Naomi should bail on their respective companies and look to apply their talents elsewhere? I don't know. Let us know your thoughts on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. I do believe I'm going to attack this idea of the top five Hell in a Cell matches. We might even do a post about it to get your opinions on what the top five are and let you know what our top five are. But I think we're going to do that before we get to this massive wrestling weekend. And this weekend features pay-per-views from New Japan, NXT, and WWE. We'll get you ready for those as we move on with the week. Remember, of course, tonight you've got AEW Dynamite making their premiere from LA. That should be an interesting show. Of course, tomorrow you've got Impact Wrestling and NXT UK. Friday, we've got SmackDown and Rampage. And on Friday, we also have Best of the Super Juniors from New Japan, the finals, that is. And of course, you'll want to be paying attention to that because the next big pay-per-view for AEW is the Forbidden Door with AEW and New Japan. So you've got to believe we're going to start seeing some cross-pollination happening there. That ought to be fantastic. NXT brings us in your house 
this Saturday. And then on Sunday, we've got Hell in a Cell. So it's going to be a very busy weekend, but we've got you covered here. So until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I need my people, here we go.